Blog Talk Radio. Radio. So uh, I will be 
well positioned to reach a lot of people who really care about outcomes in this world, who really care about the planet. And uh, that is very much my audience. And to the extent that others listen, I will endeavor to help them care more in very rather particular ways. So do join me on uh, Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Progressive Radio Network. We will have a link on our website, www.abetterworld.tv. I guess these days people leave out the triple W. Is that it? I got to get with that, you know. I got to get more modernized. Anyway, abetterworld.tv. There we go. Quick change. Proving the neuroplasticity of the brain. Yes, indeed. Uh, Please join me, of course, here every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And needless to say, many people listen in archive, and uh, those who listen live can catch it yet again in archive or forward it to friends and family, as we say in ancient Chinese and Hebrew, mishpocha, your family, your group, your clan, your tribe, and uh, share the wealth with them because uh did here at a better world to have much wealth that we love to share in the form of ideas and thoughts and creativity and imagination and um and a commitment to creating a better world through uh through action as well as meditation it's both macro level in the world and it's micro level inside you could say my world And these two we understand through quantum physics and the butterfly effect and uh, non-locality and some other really interesting principles of quantum physics that they are one and the same. They are a continuum. I and thou, I and world, I and planet, I and universe. So... I didn't make it up, folks. I'm just listening and uh, gathering it through my own sense of things, my own prioritizing of information and what resonates with me and my intuition. And I think it does so with many, many of you as well. So uh, just to remind again, Monday nights then at 9 p.m. on Progressive Radio Network, Mitchell Rabin will be on and starting a new show uh, called The Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin. And uh, the, first, uh, the first documentary we'll be discussing is called Water Wars. And we're going to be looking at the subject of water and how it is becoming scarcer how it's actually becoming a good deal more polluted worldwide. And in particular, the film focuses on the war really taking place between uh, India and its neighbor Bangladesh and the attempts India is making uh, to reroute major waterways that will leave, no pun intended, Bangladesh quite literally high and dry. It's profoundly sad, and it's something that we all need to pay attention to. 
in particular, because that will be happening, no doubt, uh, among the states here in the several United States of America, and it will be happening elsewhere as water dries up in places like the Southwest and California and elsewhere. I think it should be pretty obvious. We don't like reading the writing on the wall for obvious reasons, and yet we must. So this show, as you know, this show, as well as the new one, will be addressing those thorny, difficult issues that we really need to take a look at and even more stare down and deal with as uh, people, as a species, in a cooperative way, as neuroscience indicates to us over and over again. We got to where we are now, not by dominating and suppressing and killing, but rather through bonding and cooperation. Uh, my colleague and dear friend, Lynn McTaggart, who has written a series of books, uh, health journalist, the last one of which I'm aware is The Bond, and we had her on A Better World Radio and TV to discuss it, shows that we really are linked up with each other in some very interesting ways. And the more we... Uh, we uh, forge those bonds, the more we are actually increasing our chances and probability of success in living happily and actually even surviving when the going gets rough. And there are natural, neurological, genetic tendencies to not only cooperate, but to be altruistic and to help each other and to be looking out for each other. You know, an interesting study that was done with rats some time ago showed that when they were, uh, one was in pain, the other tried to help it out. When one was without food, the other shared his food. So I guess I put it this way, folks. If rats can do it, shouldn't we? You bet. <laughs> so Wall Street there is hope. <laughs> there is hope. I want to make another announcement beyond the uh, new upcoming uh, radio show on Progressive Radio Network, which, by the way, is just a great station. As I said, I was on for about six, seven years, and uh, it went really well. We had a wonderful following. People loved A Better World, and uh, Maybe they even liked me. I would love if that were the case. And uh, then uh, I moved over. Actually, I started a second show here on Blog Talk Radio, which has been going consistently ever since and will continue. Uh, but now I am adding PRN back into the weekly lineup. And as I said, we'll be doing a number of eco-oriented shows, but also political and social economic justice, uh, the effect of plastics on our environment, some real core things, the role of uh, rape in the military by uh, the award-winning and Oscar-nominated film The Invisible War. I'm friendly with some of the producers. These are the types of films that we'll be looking at and 
listing both on a betterworld.tv and the prn.fm websites so y'all can watch ahead of time and join in on the discussions. I'll be interviewing the directors, producers, uh, and experts in the respective field of the topic of the film. And I'm going to be looking to make room for the audience to weigh in. And if you've seen the film, even though we'll be playing clips from it in the uh, show, uh, if you've seen it before, we'll have an even deeper conversation. Uh, Last announcement before I introduce Ariana is to uh, let you all know that tomorrow night, one of our guests on A Better World Radio, Dr. Michael Cotton and TV upcoming of Higher Brain Living, uh, will be in New York City at the Meta Center starting at, I believe it's 6 or 6.30, Uh, assume it's six, um, to do a presentation and a demo of this really unique and powerful method of moving our energy from the uh, survival mode only reptilian brain to the frontal lobes, the prefrontal lobes, where all the action is, man, where we experience the uh, taste of brotherhood and sisterhood and oneness and humanity and creativity and love and compassion and empathy and sympathy for our own and, and in fact, all sentient life. It's what Dr. Richardson of uh, University of Wisconsin has been looking at with Tibetan monks. It's what all neuroscientists who are interested in this part of the brain have found is the higher the seed of higher intelligence for we humans so uh really it's something to tune into and uh come see dr michael cotton's work in new york city tomorrow night for information just go to our website abetterworld.tv and uh click on the uh right on the home page you'll see it both in the carousel as right as well as right in the middle column So, with that said, and he'll be here uh, Thursday night for the demo, and then Friday evening as well, and Saturday morning for follow-ups for those people who would want to study uh, the method, the technique, which could, if you're a healthcare practitioner, open up a whole new dimension of your practice. And if you are not, it may just interest you anyway. So, certainly, you may... uh, really tune in. So I'm going to, uh, after having made those announcements, just play a little Mozart and we will resume with Ariana.
And welcome back to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. Very glad you're joining us again. And now we will get to the part of the show with the author of Thrive, the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder, Ariana Huffington. Ariana is a very interesting woman. She is the chair, president, and editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post Media Group, a nationally syndicated columnist and author of 14 books, the 14th of which we'll be discussing with her this evening. In May of 2005, she launched the Huffington Post, uh, for which I am one of the bloggers. I like to say instead article writers. I like that better. A news and blog site that quickly became one of the mostly wide-read linked to and frequently cited media brands on the Internet. In 2012, she, the site won a Pulitzer Prize for national reporting. Ariana has been named to Time Magazine's list of the world's 100 most influential people and the Forbes Most Powerful Women list. Originally from Greece, one of my very favorite places, she moved to England when she was 16 and graduated from Cambridge University with an MA in economics at 17. No, I'm kidding. It took her a little bit longer than that. At 21, she became president of the famed debating society, the Cambridge Union. She serves on several boards, including HuffPost's partners in Spain, the newspaper El País and its parent company Prisa, ONEX, the Center for Public Integrity, and the Committee to Protect Journalists. Tonight, we will be speaking with Ariana about her latest book, which the values of which are absolutely right along the uh, pathway of a better world and the kind of material we love to talk about on the show and promulgate to our audiences both on radio and TV here in New York and as it stretches across the nation and beyond, but primarily. And uh, we're very, very glad and honored to have Ariana on with us today. Are you on with us now, Ariana? Yes, very happy to be on with you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's really a pleasure. It's really a pleasure. Uh, I should probably say... Kalispatasis, first of all, good evening, in one of my favorite languages. Uh, one of my favorite languages, too, and I have the accent <laughs> to prove it. You do, I do. I'm still cultivating it. Maybe you can help me with it so you understand what I'm saying here or there. Ariana, your book is really wonderful. First of all, it's just a pleasure to have you on. You and I haven't seen each other for a few years since you were uh, moderating a um, discussion between Deepak Chopra and uh, Andrew Cohen in uh, the West Village some years back, at which yes. time you invited me to work, you know, to write for your wonderful online uh, newspaper. And so it's a pleasure to, you know, have you on A Better World. Well, I'm delighted to be on with you. I'm so glad. As we say in the old language again, I'll be using up all of my Greek, I'm sure, by the end of this, uh, the end of this uh, interview. So it doesn't take that long. 
Ariana, <laughs> you have had a rather riveting uh, personal story and a series of experiences that really woke you up, to use a common phrase, one that you also use. Would you start in sharing with our audience what that experience was and what it meant to you? Well, yes, it was seven years ago when I literally collapsed from exhaustion, burnout, and sleep deprivation. And um, I found myself coming to in a pool of blood and asking myself a lot of these questions that we stop asking when we leave college, like what is a good life, what is success. And uh, I started thinking that, you know, the way we define success in terms of two metrics of money and power is really trying to sit on a two-legged stool. Sooner or later, we yeah. fall off. And that we need that third metric that I identify as well-being, you know, our, the foundation of our health and vitality, wisdom, wonder, bringing joy into our daily lives, and giving. And um, so it was after I wrote a commencement speech, uh, I gave a commencement speech last year at Smith. Well, I hope that was but after I, you picked yourself up from the uh, pool of blood. I mean, oh, yes. how did that no, no, happen? I mean, big... Well, what happened is that I, I hit my desk. I, on, on my way down, my head hit my desk. Your head and hit I the corner my of the desk, yeah. Yes, yes. And I hit uh, and uh, I broke my cheekbone and I got um, four stitches on my right eye. And oh, that was really God. the beginning yeah. of that rethinking that culminated five years later uh, into this commencement address after what I was asked to write a book, and hence Thrive was born. Yes, I see, I see. So that was really, you could say, a turning point in your life. I mean, your, your career is so obviously um, one of an extensely ambitious woman and uh, nothing was going to get in your way going to England at 16 going to Cambridge I mean you were on the so-called success track when when you're in the middle of the track you find out that you know it's kind of a in some ways a road to nowhere as you said the first two metrics but not the rest and you've been discovering the rest ever since you know, you know well, what is what interesting, interesting is, that is that I have a mother who, to whom the book is dedicated who had yeah. always helped me see um, that how to live a full life that includes yeah. the first two metrics but a lot more. So it's not like I wasn't really always drawn to that part of life. I was taught to meditate at 13. I learned to do yoga. What changed is to actually prioritize these things because you know how it is. Um, If we don't make them a central part of our daily lives, then it is uh, is really much easier to to be swept aside by all that the world constantly um, pulls us towards. And yeah. the world is full of all these signals, you know, to keep climbing the ladder, to keep staying connected to our devices. And um, Exactly. It's sort of like, fact, it's almost like, Ariana, it's sort of like a, a grade B Hollywood movie. You know, it's so stripped of soul 
which, by the way, is yes. a point that you repeatedly make in the book, which I very much appreciate. It's a really, it's a world without soul. And if I may say, I feel that um, through these pillars that you outline, well-being, wisdom, and wonder, uh, we begin to restore our sense of self and soul in our daily lives, which, you know, that's what we have to do, right? I mean, that's what the game is. I love that. I actually love that. I love the word soul is a word that we... um, we need to bring into our conversation much more because yes. that's exactly what we are talking about. Yeah, and, um, exactly. And it really um, transforms everything we're doing. We can be doing exactly the same things. Uh, but yeah. when we are connected to our inner wisdom and our inner soul, it completely transforms our lives. Yes, it's really true. And, you know, I... I'm going to go back to the book because I feel that you've articulated these ideas so well, this one notion that we have this sense already. And I think it's really important to remind people that we already have have this sense of ourselves, right? Exactly. Every religion, every um, spiritual teacher has really talked about how we all have what, what the Bible calls the kingdom of God is within. Yes. Uh, what Archimedes, exactly. you know, my fellow Greek compatriot, yes. uh, called, uh, you know, we give me a place to stand and I can move the world. Exactly, exactly. And what you make the point of uh, so well is that it's not a question of leaving the place of authenticity and soul inside ourselves. It's how much can we remember to come back to return to it. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely, because nobody, nobody is in that place all the time. True. Right? So That's I think right. the question is, um, can we, how quickly can we return? That's right. Exactly, exactly. That's and, the you know, game what of life for me, is returning. That, that's the game right. of life is returning. And more and more, uh, more and more quickly and uh, with fewer judgments of ourselves and others. And that's why for me there were three strands in the book. Was one my personal journey that you started our conversation with and my personal yes. wake-up call. The second, yes. though, is the practical steps. You know, for me, this, is, this book is not about getting people to agree. It's about helping people to bring about small incremental changes in their lives mm-hmm. that will introduce mm-hmm. the third metric and that will move us from merely surviving or succeeding to thriving. Exactly, yeah. And that's why well, at, that's, the end of yeah. Each, at the end of each of the sections, I have three little steps that anybody can take, you know, simple steps like get 30 minutes more sleep a night because that can begin the process of us feeling more alert, more alive, you know, um, less burnt out and exhausted. You know, you're reminding me, Ariana, of when I first did meet you and you really made the entire audience hysterical with your your proviso sleep more you said emphatically it was so funny and now i see the context 
of your your proviso that I've learned the personal story of yours that you really you really hurt yourself and you really completely overstressed yourself and overextended yourself and uh, you realize that sleep is really you could say the yin of the yang you know to use the ancient Chinese language for a moment uh, of our lives and you don't get the active one unless you also have the passive so it was uh, it's really a learning for our fast-paced society get some rest and sleep everybody anyway please go on yes and you know and then and the third part is really the incredible um, science that we have now um, yes. that that's why I have 55 pages of scientific findings about yes. how we can um, about validating ancient wisdom really um, that's right. Validating yep. um, the fa- all all the all the things that spiritual teachers um, have um, have taught about pauses and and silence and uh, times for renewal in our lives they are now validated yes. by modern science. Yes, exactly. I, you know, you and I are uh, kindred spirits here because I myself personally have gravitated toward the ancient traditions, Greek, actually, Hebraic, because of my own personal um, original background in uh, Judaism and being born Jewish, uh, but also the Taoist way from China, the yogic way, and Tibetan Buddhist way. And um, I have come to adore the fact that science, just as you were saying, is now validating all that we know in our heart and soul to be true. We, our guts know, and now science is saying you're right in a way that uh, is sort of, I sometimes call science the religion of our modern society, you know, in a good way, in a really good way. In fact, you cite the work of Dr. Richard Davidson, maybe you can talk about that, and uh, the... uh, French Buddhist monk and molecular geneticist, Matthew Ricard. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I think that was, I didn't know about that. Very interesting. Thank you so much for bringing that up because I really think that Richie Davidson, professor of neuroscience at the University of Wisconsin, is really a bit of a a hero of this book because he has really demonstrated through his um, scientific research a number of things. One, that, uh, that our brains are really pla- very, very plastic and that we can actually change our brains and we can, um, through meditation, increase our capacity for happiness and for uh, thriving, for what the Greeks call eudaimonia, which is really not just happiness but a kind of deep, connected happiness. And that mm-hmm. this is also connected with giving, that giving is a shortcut to happiness. And Richard Davidson says, happiness is a learned skill. It's like it's something we can learn, the way we learn to play tennis or to play golf. In fact, frankly, for me, playing tennis and golf is harder than learning to be happy. Ah, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well... What, what about, tell us a little bit about the happiest man in the world. 
That was really a new one car. Yes, that was a... Um, Amateur car is French. He, he was a French cellular biologist who became a Buddhist monk. And um, Richard Davidson um, conducted this kind of experiments um, on him through MRI, through um, putting different... Um, electrodes on his brain to see how the brain of someone who has been meditating is different. And yes. um, the capacity to be happy and not to be affected by what happens in our lives is uh, dramatically increased, which is really what Stoic philosophers have taught us. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Right, exactly. But what was interesting is that in your book, you know, along the lines of what you were saying of... Uh, of having a good amount of science verifying those things we sort of know intuitively is that Dr. Davidson, who was studying uh, hand-selected monks by the, His Holiness the Dalai Lama himself, never saw as much gamma wave activity as he did in this particular Frenchman. Yes, Making exactly. him in and some gamma, way the happiest man in the world. Man on earth, yes. Gamma waves being an indication of happiness. And one of the ways you, you gauge happiness is how affected are you by adversity, challenges, bad news during the day. Yep, exactly. In other words, Because as you know, even much... Victor... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please go on. Please go on. Now, I was going to say, I even quote Victor Frankl in the book, in who there he was in a concentration camp. He had lost everything, including his pregnant wife. But he talked about how the one freedom that nobody can take away from us is the freedom to choose our own attitude to what happens to us. Yes. Isn't that the truth? In other words, you could say, to translate that in a way, uh, that we have gone beyond conditions, the external conditions of our lives, and as now you'll remember who the quote is from, oh, I think it was Marcus Aurelius who said that the best retreat is not a spa or sanitarium or even a beautiful landscape out there, but the retreat inside the landscape of our own mind. Another of your oh, quotes. Yes, I love that. Uh, thank you so much for um, for so. <laughs> For so carefully reading the book, I'm very grateful sure. and really appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I really consider it riveting, and it really is right up our alley here at a, at a better world. How do I put it? How can we have a better world, Ariana? Because that truly is the theme of our show. It's the basis of uh, my organization. Uh, I thought maybe finally in the world I could say something that wasn't controversial that everyone would agree on. Everybody in their heart and soul wants a better world. We may conceive of it in different ways, but the bottom line is that everybody has that altruistic tendency, which is another thing that neuroscience has shown is a real part of our evolutionary cycle and our deeper, our deeper um, inner core nature. Isn't that what you've seen? Absolutely. And I feel that that's why giving is one of the pillars of the third metric. And when we uh, cultivate our own empathy and compassion, we are, it's going to be easier to have a better world because we will 
feel the pain of others. We will, yeah. we will move beyond our own self-preoccupations and narcissism. And also oh, we God, will not yes. def- define ourselves purely in terms of our jobs. Because when we do, then if you're a politician, say you're not going to make the tough calls. You're not going to cast um, the difficult votes that, votes that may challenge your re-election, yeah. say, on gun control or climate change. So I think yeah. what, how we define success and how we live our lives have a, are going to have a big impact in how we... Um, we our capacity to make the world a better place. Yes, I agree completely. And you know, by the way, I want to just say a thank you to you, Fratesto Parapoli, uh, which is because you have, even though I have a Better World Radio and Television uh, Community Television here in Manhattan, Ariana. Uh, through your inviting me to write for the Huffington Post, I have been using that as a forum for the promulgation of exactly these ideas. Uh, I submit, you know, articles as often as I as I can. Uh, I wish it were more often, frankly. But honestly, you are providing me and so many people of similar ilk, of similar values, a place in the sun to be heard by a larger uh, audience. And um, I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much. We love love having you on, and we want you on as much (laughs) as you can. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And I love being there. I really do. I'd like to move to another real pillar of the entire premise of your book, Let's let everybody know we are speaking today exclusively with the author of this book, Thrive, the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder. I like saying that. Ariana Huffington, <laughs> <laughs> real, you know, just one of the great women of our age. And uh, she came from humble beginnings in uh, beautiful part of the world, Egina, Athens, and um, she has just strived and thrived and uh, went through, uh, it's very much like Joseph Campbell's description of the hero's journey, Ariana. I feel you're very much an example of that. You've left the village, you went out into the world, you saw what you did, only to come home in some way, internally, if not literally, to the wise words of your mother who never finished high school and reminded you of the fundamentals of living. And I'm, I'm just so happy that we're talking about my mother just a few days before Mother's Day. In fact, I, I did Super yeah. Soul Sunday with opera that is airing on Mother's Day in honor yeah. of my mother because I really feel her spirit yeah. in this conversation because Good. she always um, made sure that I... I remembered, even in my most hectic, burnt-out phase, what really mattered. And, um, and I remember the last time she was angry with me before she died was when she saw me having, um, um, having a conversation with my daughters and opening my mail at the same time. 
Oh. And, you know, that's, she always considered multitasking the opposite of, um, of our capacity for wonder. That's what prevents mm. us, you know, when, from connecting with the ordinary beauty of life and the mystery of life because we are perpetually either buried in our smartphones or buried in our thoughts and, and missing the moment. Mm. God. She sounds like a Zen master. <laughs> you would have laughed her. I think so. I would have loved to have met her, you know, in Greek garb. She was a Zen master in Greek garb. No, that's it's brilliant and it's it's got the the brilliance of simplicity, you know? And that's yes, another thing exactly. that is lost, right? It's just lost in our society, in our entertainment society. Uh, I'd like to um, turn again to this notion of redefining success, which you really do so well, and I'm utterly grateful for, because we have to do that here at A Better World all the time, because people are very confused about it. If you would just walk us through that again, uh, how we need to expand and broaden our understanding of this uh, very unfortunately misunderstood notion of success. So it's really very simple because we all have that place in us of wisdom and wonder, strength, peace. And all we have to do is give ourselves some time, some pauses um, in order to reconnect with it. And um, that means disconnecting from our technologies. And it also means that when we renew ourselves, we're going to be more effective and more creative at everything we're doing. So it's not like it's a trade-off. But we are kind of addicted to our current life of burnout and hyperconnectivity. And that's why I'm recommending these small steps. Some of them are physical steps of disconnecting, and some of them are more um, mental, like dropping different um, emotions, resentments, uh, grudges that no longer serve us, and um, feeling grateful for the blessings in our lives, um, because so often we tend to focus on what is not working rather than what is working. Yes, and uh, and exactly. I, and I feel that um, the reason I, I I have so much poetry, and um, and um, literature in the, in the book is because so often poetry can reconnect us with our own truth. I mean, I love Rumi, for example, um, who said one one of his favorite quotes is, um, "Live life as though everything is rigged in your favor," and then we can I move. love that. Yes. I love well, that. Well, thank you and so much. I've really, really enjoyed being with you on the show. I'm so and glad to have you. Let's let's complete with one more quote that you have in your book, Ariana, by Rumi. You wander from room to room, hunting for the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. Yes. Oh, I love that because it shows that. Is that wonderful? that our own truth and, and that place from which we can live our lives with more well-being, wisdom, and wonder is, is as close to us as our next breath. Exactly, exactly. 
Well, Ariana, we have more things to talk about. Uh, we have a few more minutes. Do you have or do you not? Oh, um, they had told me that uh, it was 15 minutes, but uh, did you, um, and I have another meeting, but tell me what, what do you need? I want to ask you, uh, I need you, and I need your wisdom on a better world. That's what I need. So I want to ask you uh, a kind of a, a bit of a tough question, and I'd love to hear your answer. Because of the people that you have been uh, dealing with for many years based on, you know, your earlier marriage to your husband, politician, and all the places you've been, both, you know, graduating from Cambridge and the life that you have led. You know, you make reference to the World Economic Forum in Davos where you were presenting uh, a seminar, Health is Wealth. And, you know, in the book, you make some very interesting points that even they, if you don't mind my putting it that way, the, the powers that be are sort of getting the message about such things as um, uh, meditation and relaxation and stress management and all of that. But it doesn't seem to pervade and yet permeate the banking system, the monetary system at large, or even the um, multinational corporate system that's completely still founded on exploitation of the planet and her precious, sacred resources, and even human beings in terms of human uh, you know, labor and child labor and all of these things that just disturb us so deeply. So in other words, what does it mean? This is the question. What does it mean that they're beginning to quote-unquote get it? You cannot do meditation on top of hurting people. So I would love to know what your actual experience was at the last forum and what you think. So I think there is no question that... Um that we are in the middle of a transition. It's equivalent to moving from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. And, yes. um, and so during this transition, many realities are coexisting. And I think when people are moving um, towards recognizing um, a deeper truth and a deeper reality, whether it's through meditation or giving, um, it means that we are accelerating the transition, the global shift that's already happening. And, yes. and that's why um, I feel, even though we have a long way to go, that when we can, we can reach a critical mass, then the tipping point um, can happen um, in, in a way that, is, that can surprise us um, with the speed mm -hmm. in which it happens. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. I'm so sorry I, like I have that. to run because they're waiting for me, but I, but I very much Absolutely. look forward to continuing our conversation, and thank you so much for Beautiful. reading the book and being so thoughtful about it. Inikela. Thank you so a much, Ariana. I so appreciate bye it. Bye. And yes, we will have you back another time. Uh, thank you so much. To Parapoli. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Ariana Huffington, the author of Thrive, the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder.
truly uh, an excellent book. It's very well researched. She has aggregated a serious amount of evidence, scientific and otherwise, uh, clinical, intuitive, uh, that really makes the case for a much more well-rounded, moderated life, modulated, I should say, uh, with the wisdom of the past, with the wisdom of the present that we all, as Rumi's line said, have as diamond and diamond necklace around our own very necks. And yet, we seek it always outside of us. It's the old uh, wonderful Taoist phrase, uh, the Tao is near, yet we always look so far for it. You know, it's the same notion that we experience over and over again in our daily lives of looking for happiness outside of ourselves, joy, love, and yet we were given the blueprint, folks, inside our own heart and soul. And uh, I really want to thank Ariana because she, interestingly, also, for those of you who might remember and have some sense of history when she was married to uh i think it was a legislator from um southern california if i'm not mistaken i may be but i don't think so uh she was very much a right winger she was a conservative uh uh proponent and showed up on uh radio shows and television shows across the country espousing the values of the right-wing uh, uh, platform. And while I definitely myself share some of those values, uh, as I share many of the other wings' values and some values that neither of them uh, seem to share uh, or promote, um, she made an about-face very interestingly, i.e., like, virtually 180 degrees, and that was borne witness to through the more liberal, heading toward progressive perspective uh, pervade by the Huffington Post. And for someone like myself to be invited to write for it with my views, which I don't actually consider left, right, or anything, but centered in the heart and in the gut. It's called common sense, folks. Common sense. There's nothing left-wing about it. There's nothing liberal about it, except for a liberal amount of common sense. So, it's interesting. That takes courage to be a public figure as she is. And to change the political worldview in the, you know, middle of her life. Really interesting. There aren't that many people who have that sense of wisdom. Since she left, I didn't have a chance, I should say, to bring up uh, the kind of information that you would find in this book and the kind of citations. Uh, certainly you've heard several. But there was uh, one in particular that I thought was uh, 
particularly savory, and that is reference she made to the CEO of Safeway Markets, Steve Bird, who reorganized the uh, healthcare system and policy of his company in such a way based on what he saw as an increase of, of uh, expenses annually of about $100 million a year going up because of lost productivity, because of absenteeism, because of people losing their jobs, quitting or having to be fired, what have you, started an incentive program so that when people's cholesterol levels, for instance, were below a certain level, when people's blood pressure dropped below a certain dangerous level, when people began to exercise and a number of different similar types of parameters were met, they were rewarded (laughs) very cognitively with uh, discounts on uh, various items, I think, connected to their health care plan. And it turned into an actual monetary value for them to take care of themselves, almost like getting an allowance, you know, for doing good. So he saw there was a precipitous drop in illness and in the cost to the company annually for its health care. And it's like, this ain't rocket science, folks. And he realized that doing good, one does well, is a real axiom and became a fundamental principle of his operating that company as CEO. It's good news, and I don't know why it has taken so many companies so long. Our government certainly hasn't caught on to something so simple. Uh, There are many people that are invested in things being exactly as they are, most unfortunately. But there are more people waking up, and indeed we are in the last hour. I mean, just yesterday, President Obama from the White House finally realized the true or truer dangers of global warming and climate change. Yup, 50 years later for some of us and for others 40 and others 30 and others 20 and some 10, but the writing has been on the wall for a long time. The original um, environmentalists recognized what water pollution and air pollution and soil pollution were doing to our precious planet and our food supply, our health. I mean, we were going over some of this with the director of the film, A Fierce Green Fire, just last week, Mark Kitchell, discussing these things, which was an award-winning film nominated uh, for an Academy Award. You know, these ideas are actually in circulation, and they have been in circulation for anyone paying semi-attention with one eye closed for decades. That's the case. Uh, In my case, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Gary Null, 
who I met with first in 1990 and had been listening to since the late 70s when I was a young lad of a boy, uh, was really truly one of my teachers and educators about these matters, but certainly not him alone. I had the, the gut reaction in looking at pollution in the air in Bridgeport, driving by on the New England Thruway. When again, I was even more of a lad, and uh, I said, my God, Dad, what in the world is that about? That can't be legal, can it? I tell you, if this black smoke keeps billowing like this, we're not going to be able to see each other in a few years. We better take photographs now. That's really the case. Now, how come I at age 13 and 14, were, was able to infer potential consequences. How come there are a number of people who have been able to come to reasonable understandings of consequences when so many remain so blind? It's not, not legit. It's not. It has to do with being asleep for reasons and people choose sleep ignorance is actually an active uh, word with the verb at its root to ignore it's an active engagement to ignore the truth ignore what's before one and uh, I just want to say that on one hand I am delighted that more and more people are waking up, but it's sort of like after so much damage. You know, I could really use that same motif and go back to at least the burning of the library in Alexandria, since we had Ariana Huffington on, who's so obviously Greek, and uh, so our audience may appreciate such a reference to ancient Greece and Egypt and understand what a horror that must have been thousands of years ago for the destruction of such a rich library and the information of which was uh, both practically, scientifically, and spiritually uplifting. The ancient sciences that came to us from Egypt and maybe even Atlantis, I mean, certainly Plato thought so, what today seems so distant a memory or a thought and is considered be, to be the stuff of fiction uh, seems, even from our great Greek philosophers, to be something very real, just as we consider the United States of America to be very real. Yet what we're doing to ourselves and what we're doing consequently to the rest of our planet is of such a severe extreme weather nature that it will be amazing if the ruins would show in a thousand years to come that we ever existed so i am grateful that people are getting the message that we have to take care of ourselves first and foremost and our loved ones, however we may define that, our families, 
our lovers, our friends, our sacred circle, and keep expanding that out until you get to that point that Will Rogers said, a stranger is but a friend I haven't yet met. What a healthy attitude. I want to really encourage that in our A Better World radio listeners and television listeners to embrace that idea and uh, come to appreciate that we are all truly one big family. Oh, we may look different. We may be different sizes and shapes and different types of smiles and all of the above, different languages. Yes, cultures are different like flowers, but when they're next to each other, boy, do they all look beautiful. So uh, I just want to say that I very much appreciate all of you who tune in every single week uh, and pass the word around to others. Uh, Take our links from either our website, abetterworld.tv, where they are all listed in the radio archive, thanks to our uh, judicious and reliable and ever-so-helpful interns, Phyllis and Randy Fryer, who I so appreciate here at A Better World and without whom we would be up the creek because A Better World runs on a shoestring budget and we always appreciate those of you who want to make a donation and even more robustly join us uh, in our sponsorship program, which, yes, costs several thousand dollars, but for which you get back, oh, as we say in one of our old languages, mucho, verdamente mucho, a lot, a lot. And uh, if you're interested, just contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net. I love to hear from you anyway with your comments, suggestions, recommendations, mjr at abetterworld.net. Or short of sponsorship, those uh, who want to enjoy our A Better World promotions every week we have through our website, our weekly newsletter, and our radio and TV shows, YouTube channel, social media. We're on Facebook at A Better World Media, I believe that is indeed. And, of course, Mitchell J. Rabin on the personal page. But uh, join us, tweet us, Twitter us. All of that. <laughs> and uh, be part of a better world family. We do have other options we'd like to engage our, our followers with. The Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program, which is a remote energy balancing program that uses the holographic image of your photograph as a way of creating a sense of balance in your electromagnetic field. Proven by science intuition and metaphysics proven by physics and biology so this is real stuff folks it's real stuff and we're offering these uh annual packages at very fair prices in comparison to our quote unquote competitors uh for us it's 600 our competitors are a thousand and then for ours it goes down every single year and for them it stays the same no we're neuroplastic around here at a better world folks we're neuroplastic 
Uh, I want to remind you again that uh, if you are anywhere in the tri-state area of New York City or plan to be in the next few days at the Meta Center, Dr. Michael Cotton will be uh, doing a presentation and a demo of higher brain learning, which is a really exciting method of moving us from the reptilian reactivity, fight and flight functions, to the higher level functions that Ariana and I were in effect talking about when we were talking about Dr. Richard Davidson's work of promoting gamma wave activity, which he noted in the Tibetan Buddhist monks and in the Buddhist molecular geneticist, Mathieu Ricard, who is known as the happiest man on earth. He has transcended the conditions, and nothing like that have I done. <laughs> no, no, I'm linked into the conditions. No, no, no. I might be the second or third happiest man. I am happy, but I also have a heart that is very deeply connected to the planet, to the suffering of people, and the sadness that is uh, rampant because of violence and conflict and injustice and theft and the lack of integrity among altogether too many humans. And, just to remind, that is the minority. That is not, I feel, the majority. We can all, and we all do, dance between the spheres. There's no question. No one is impeccable all the time. It's a goal. It's something to strive for. Strive for and thrive around. No question. Uh, we fall off the horse or the camel, as the case may be, and we get back on. That's the way it goes. So uh, I want to just encourage you all to do the best you can, reach for the highest you possibly can. That's the game we're all playing. And we can feel good about ourselves, about so many things. And yes, we are messing with the delicate balance of our ecosystem. No question about it. The permafrost is melting, folks. Methane is around the corner from the melting and thawing of permafrost. Methane is the most dangerous of them all. Greenhouse gas, much more than CO2. CO2 is a very much a natural part of the uh, cycle. Well, from that point of view, methane is too. But methane is there to be contained. And if it comes through, it's in proportion. But what we've done already to the planet is going to make its release disproportionate and therefore precipitous. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're looking at. What man does to man, the injustice, the lies, the deception. It's just something that we want to make of the past, of history. And we really want to move on and move forward, as I so often say on this show and in my writing, etc. Uh, move forward. And that really means in our lives, and into the functioning, the high-level functioning of our prefrontal cortex. Cool stuff, huh? And when we do that, by the way, the 30 to 40,000 neuroreceptor sites in our heart 
become more thoroughly and coherently activated. Cool stuff. Cool beans, as one of J.D. Salinger's uh, uh, characters might say. You bet. Cool beans. So on that note, I just want to thank you all again for listening. If you are in New York uh, tomorrow night or Friday night, most importantly, tomorrow night, which is May 8th at 6 o'clock at the Meta Center. But sign up ahead of time. It's free if you sign up ahead of time. On our website, uh, the Higher Brain Living uh, posting. Okay? And last but not least is May 12th. Yes, my birthday, if you were listening at the beginning. Uh, I will be starting again at Progressive Radio Network on a show specifically uh, around uh, featuring documentary films, progressive in nature, in values, in context. And we begin with Water Wars, Water Wars, which highlights the rift between India and Bangladesh around water, and that's its particular, but in general, it scans the planet for water issues, which of course is becoming the next oil, and uh, there are wars being fought on different levels right now. It is not in the future. It is happening right now. That is how serious these issues are. So tune in. Uh, you'll be able to find a link on our website, betterworld.tv, to Progressive Radio Network or go there directly. And uh, listen in at 9 o'clock every Monday, starting with Water Wars. Okay? Thanks so much for joining us. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Visit us and get on to our newsletter. Forward this, of course, to your friends and family, those you care about. And I look forward to seeing you all next week.